politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, our liberty, and our property to the one and only CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here, not shying away from the fight, but as always, here in the thick of it, skating to where the puck is headed. And if you want to listen to some of my other colleagues, I think it's very apropos today on... July 18th, it's actually the anniversary of the year 64, July 18th, when Nero fiddled as Rome burned. And that's what I feel the conservative movement is doing. It's not even like the Tea Party, where at least you felt during 2009, 2010, headed into what was going to be an auspicious election against the Democrats, that it seemed like they kind of got it. They were at least rhetorically focused on the issue of our time, the out-of-control spending under Obama. So at least on paper, there was a promise they would change it. And of course, they didn't because it got hijacked by the Republican Party. So I've been talking about the last year or so, how do we prevent this new movement from not getting hijacked and repeating the same mistakes where Republicans win big, but nothing changes? But I don't even need to warn you about that. Because bizarrely, they're not even faking to put out the fire. They're fiddling. They're not even discussing the 800-pound gorilla in the room, which is millions of people getting killed and injured by the bioproduct they foisted upon us. And then the broader biomedical fascism that's still continuing. And then the new things. Monkeypox, and now they have the monkeypox vaccine. People lining up in droves in New York City, just like before. And there's no questions. You know, shockingly, over the weekend, this is the first big vaccine injury thing that actually made it into the mainstream. It was all over the place. The fact that you have this survey, it was uh, published in the Journal of Science Advances. You can go to science.org, it's there. That 42% of all women with regular menstrual cycles, said they bled more heavily than usual after getting the shot. My wife knows someone who didn't get it for a year and counting. That is insane. This was a survey of over 39,000 women 18 to 80 years old. And then they found out of 673 postmenopausal women, 66% had breakthrough bleeding. So you'll get like a 60-year-old that will have breakthrough bleeding. This is utterly insane. Okay? And they actually found that it it um it broke through contraceptions too. So this is a crazy story. And yet Republicans aren't even talking about it. There is nothing that could come out about these shots that will prompt a righteous response from Republicans and really most of your mainstream talkers. This is the ultimate pro-life issue. This is the ultimate civilization issue. And then you have accompanying with this all of the data on decreased birth rates, increased stillbirths everywhere, internationally, and then certainly the other ailments, people dropping and dying left and right, excess deaths, well beyond the standard deviation, suddenly, all correlating with the vaccine. But again, we don't need to just correlate. 
We have autopsies. We have theirs. We have 1,250 peer-reviewed studies on all these ailments at every level of, of the vaccination and every part of the body. And yet, to this day, this is not the issue. It would be like the Tea Party year without the spending. And again, the irony is they're talking about inflation when inflation is all the result of everything Republicans did on really the two issues of the time that Republicans barreled into, which is COVID fascism. They voted for all that legislation. And then Ukraine that they're still involved with. And you have the NDAA, which intersects with both of them, the defense authorization bill that Republicans all but, you know, a quarter of them are supporting. So what in the world? This is utterly insane. And yet, there's nobody home. Knock, knock. Anyone there? This, this is a bizarre time to be alive. You can't sit this issue out. I don't understand what matters in geopolitical affairs if not this, that they are continuing to foist this upon us. And then again, it's not even just the vaccine in a vacuum. Once you know they did this, how do you not investigate the origin of it and the origin of the virus and the origin of monkeypox? I mean, I don't have evidence to this, but I'm just asking you. We all know that monkeypox only spreads in one way, the way they won't shut down. But now that you suddenly have this monkeypox vaccine and Fauci over the weekend said you should take it. So who is to say it won't make it go airborne? You won't have the same dynamic that they clearly created with the shot. That the more you inject, the more you infect, because nobody could tell me naturally that this thing should have lasted two and two and a half years and going strong. Doesn't make any sense naturally. So this is the big issue of our time, and yet we have nobody, nobody home. So how is it that we don't repeat the cycle of failure from the Tea Party when from the get-go we can't even find candidates running on this? People are asking me you know, who to vote for in the Maryland primary. Tomorrow is the Maryland primary. It's the only state, I think, that has elections tomorrow. And Maryland's always a tough state, no matter what, the Democrat almost always wins. And I'm looking, and it's hard to even find for Senate or whatever, not that they could win in the general, but anyone who's even addressing these issues. And we have a terrific gubernatorial candidate, Dan Cox, the ultimate good versus evil, one of us versus one of Larry Hogan's lackeys. we got Michael Anthony Peruca running for attorney general. He's been a longtime friend of Steve Dace. But, uh... You know, you look at most of them, and you can't even tell. I mean, it may as well be 1927 or something. Did you know that if you look at our Conservative Review Liberty Score, okay, so where we take their votes, and as you well know, the Liberty Score doesn't even capture anything because it's just votes. More than a vote, you're a voice, and very few things even come to a vote anymore. So all the damage that a lot of these members are doing, they'll promote horrible things, but it will never come to a vote. So it doesn't work against them. So what I'm trying to tell you is the reality is a lot worse than what the Liberty Score shows. But nonetheless, if you just take anyone, how many Republicans in Washington right now 
are a B. An A or a B. So 80% or above. And I figured I'd take a look today, see the latest, you know, what we have. There's 261 Republicans currently in the House and the Senate. Okay, 211 in the House, because there's like two vacancies, I think. 211 in the House and, uh, and 50 in the Senate. Only 72. 72 have a score of 80% or more. That That's a little bit more than a quarter. And again, you look at a lot of those that are from 80 to 85, of which there are many included in that 72, and some of them are very, very problematic. And, and remember, and part of that is because they're in the minority. Now, the votes date back six years for some of them, depending on how long, long they've been there, but a lot of them are relatively new. So they've only been in the minority, right? Typically in the minority, to, to, I mean, to, to get less than a 95 when you're in the minority is insane because typically you just vote against what, what the Democrats do. It's in the majority when the Republicans do stupid things that usually separates the men from the boys within the GOP conference. So it's the fact that we only have like whatever 28% that are 80, 80 or above given that recently they've, they've been in the minority the last number of years, that is utterly insane. That is shocking. And nobody has anything to address this with. They're still promoting Ukraine to this day. When Ukraine induced the inflation, Ukraine is at the nexus of the gain-of-function COVID fascism, World Economic Forum, Great Reset. So the issues of our time even now, therefore, at the end of the day, the Republicans officially oppose the issue of the time under Obama with Obamacare, right? The Tea Party was about spending in Obamacare. And on paper, now, I knew they were lying and they weren't going to repeal it, but on paper, their rallying cry was, we are going to repeal and replace Obamacare. Here, there's no even rallying cry about the shots. To the extent they'll talk about it, Mitch McConnell will be like, make sure you get it, it's just like the polio vaccine. Unbelievable. And by the way, speaking of COVID fascism, that Republicans went along with all this, we forget. They destroyed small business. And you know, one of the things that set me straight from day one is because in this audience, we have so many small business owners, and, and they were really hosed by this. I know I could appreciate that if I had to run a small business, I'm good at focusing on what I'm good at, and then I'm very disorganized with everything else. So on top of that, you have to run HR issues, wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regs. You know, you have a company, 10, 20 people. You have to be on top of that. Believe it or not, businesses can't just do whatever they want, except if they want to force you to wear a mask and get the clot shot. But otherwise, you have all these crazy regs. To hire an HR manager... That's about 70000 a year. It's money you don't have. So that's why I present to you Bambi, our longtime sponsor. That's B-A-M-B-E-E. They were created specifically for small business. They will get you a dedicated HR manager for 99 bucks a month. Turn your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Basically, it's not like you call into a call-in center and you get a random Indian guy on the phone uh, every time. No, you have a dedicated person 
that's attached to you, available by, by phone, email, real-time chat, from onboarding to terminations. They customize your HR policy to fit you. And you don't even have to sign up for a year. It's month-to-month, no hidden fees, cancel anytime. Let Bambi help. Go to Bambi.com slash conservative right now to schedule a free HR audit. doesn't cost you anything. Okay, again, that's Bambi.com slash conservative. Put the BAM to the B, B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash conservative. You did not start your business because you wanted to spend time on government HR compliance. Okay, so the other big thing that everyone's fiddling with is, oh, Daniel, do you think Donald Trump's going to run for president? Let me tell you something about Donald Trump. Okay, let me, let, me, let me tell you something about him. There's an article that you must read, okay, and you must read reading from over the weekend from our friends at the National Pulse. Okay, they do, they do great work, one of the few websites that I could endorse, and they've really been on this. Good investigative journalism on COVID fascism. It's titled, Sabotage, Dr. Burks Admits to Revising and Hiding Info from Trump's COVID Team. Dr. Deborah Burks, who often appeared in front of the COVID-19 task force briefings on behalf of Trump, has admitted to doctoring data associated with the government's response, as well as quietly altering CDC advice without authorization. She wrote this in her own book. I devised a workaround for the governor's reports I was then writing. Instead of including those recommendations in the common bulleted list, I'd include them in the pandemic summary and state-specific recommendations in the governor's reports where they wouldn't be so obvious. Um, And she talked about manipulating everything. Now, again, we, we knew this. We warned Trump for months and months and months. And not only didn't he fire them, he got up there and criticized Sweden for not doing lockdowns. And to this day, he won't shut up about his magical shots and his lockdowns. I don't, un- to, to me, again, harking back to the Tea Party analogy, that's like having a candidate run, you know, in 2010 on, I thought of Obamacare before you did. Oh, well, actually, kind of we did that. We ran Mittens Romney, who had Romney care. He was the grandfather of it. So maybe it's not so out of sync with the GOP. But you get my point. I thought we've moved on from this. Okay, Trump is like the Romney care equivalent of the Tea Party era to COVID fascism. I'm sorry. But if you're not going to demonstrate that you've learned from your mistakes, that you've even made mistakes, and he doesn't. He still promotes the lockdowns, the ventilators, and the, and the shots. But anyway, there's an interesting tweet that is put out here in this article in National Pulse from a guy named Matt Mowers. Okay? Matt Mowers. And he was then, I, he tweeted out, this was February 27, 2020, I served this chief of staff to Ambassador Burks, and I have the utmost confidence that she will ensure America is prepared to confront the coronavirus outbreak. Her passion and commitment to ensuring our nation's health and safety are second to none. So Matt Mowers, who used to be her chief of staff, welcomed her appointment to that position. Um... Indeed, press reports indicate that Burks' ability to operate in such a manner was specifically due to Ma- Mauer's influence. 
Though Burks was not personally close to the president, she was able to develop a close relationship with the White House, in part because Trump campaign official Matt Maurer served as her chief of staff for nearly two years. And it goes on to discuss the subterfuge in her book. And there's all sorts of tweets from Matt Maurer's thankful for Ambassador Burks's leadership in the response. Um, and there you go. Now, here's a problem I wanted to raise awareness to. Oh, no, actually, they do talk about this in the article. Who cares about this Matt Mowers guy? Well, Matt Mowers is the lead candidate supported by the establishment in New Hampshire's first congressional district. Okay, that's a district that usually flips. It's, it's a Democrat seat, but it, in, in this election cycle, I would be surprised if it doesn't flip. And we're running a guy who literally was at the nexus of this Holocaust, of this democide that foisted this upon us. How come in the, it would be like the Democrats having staffers that were somehow responsible for you know, the Dobbs opinion, you know, the reversal of Roe v. Wade, somehow them be able to run and show their face as a Democrat nominee. Yet with Republicans, it's exclusively people like that who get elevated. It's unbelievable. So we need to know about that. Those of you who are, who are in New Hampshire, his main opponent is former Trump admin official Caroline Levitt. Um, so that's something to look at there. But this is my point. It's like we haven't even made it taboo in the party to have been a part of that. We haven't Obamacared COVID fascism and the vaccines to this day. Trump could raise his head and sit and promote it. How is it like that? How is it? Why is it that all these phony conservative figures, again, start from number one and go down to 50? Your 50 most influential, influential conservatives. Some of them might be elected. Some of them might be noisemakers, whatever, writers, radio hosts, TV personalities. How many of them are on the ball on this issue? It's unreal. Are they stupid, lack of values, scared, paid off? It's probably a mixture depending on who you're talking about. But that's the reality. And again, again, they want to talk about inflation. But where the heck do you think inflation came from? It came from the 10, 11 trillion from Congress and the Federal Reserve that Republicans supported. Rather than supporting early treatment and investigating the source of this, they went along with it, underwrote the lockdowns, funded all of this. And I, I want to make something clear. I know... Inflation is a little bit more complicated than this, but at its core, Milton Friedman described it as too much money chasing too few goods. And that's literally what they did. They funded and induced and incentivized governors to do a shutdown. So they destroyed supply chains. It wasn't just traditional inflation. They shut down on the supply side, and then they just chucked an ungodly amount of money at people and businesses indiscriminately, a lot of them that weren't even shut down, 
and people who didn't lose their jobs, and then people who did didn't get enough, and um, chased the ever-increasing scarcity of, of items. And then if that wasn't enough, the Republicans went along even more enthusiastically than Biden and the Democrats with sanctioning Russia, which was stupid, and funding more Ukraine. So again, endless you know, printing of money, but also inducing sanctions and elongating a war that should have they should have had them given to their demands. That was the only way out of it that would have saved lives. Even if you disagreed with me when I said it at first, you have to recognize now that's clear. And at this point, they have the nerve to turn to us and say, Oh, it's terrible to Democrats inflation. Mitch McConnell called it a World War II level investment. So, there you go. There you go. I don't know what to say. I just don't know what to say. Why am I the only one making this point? It's nauseating. I can't listen to this talk about Biden inflation. And they're all like conflating the whole thing like with energy. Energy. That's not what created it. Energy was kind of like, that was kind of the ban on ivermectin equivalent. They blocked us from, you know, we would have had more supply and whatever. But no matter what, the, the, the printing of the money that led to the background inflation and the degradation of the supply chains, both from COVID and the Ukraine-Russia policy, that was supported enthusiastically by the very Republicans who, who uh, complain about it. It's just one other policy is with, oh, and, and Biden shut down our energy. So we couldn't, you know, ramp up quickly and, and have stuff to, to get around that. But that's just one sphere of it. I'm sick of those hiding behind that one policy. And again, the, it's not like those same Republicans are going to have a knockdown, drag out fight over budgets and NDAAs and must pass legislation over getting Keystone approved and, and getting the permits approved. And stopping all the you know EPA and, and now the Interior and SEC uh, rules on ESG and things like that, it's not like they're going to engage in a fight over it. They'll talk about it, but at the end of the day, on the other side of this election, no matter how well they perform, Biden will still be president, or if, if they swap him out with Kamala, whatever. But you'll you know they're, they're going to have the veto power. So this is my question to you: What changes, and what are we going to do to change it? And I'm going to continue asking this question. Just to demonstrate. Okay, just to demonstrate how far off base Republicans are. Okay? There's an unbelievable article in Politico. Republicans wince as their Ukrainian-born colleague thrashes Zelensky. House Republicans gave Ukraine-born Representative Victoria Sparks, I think she's from Indiana, a coveted platform to speak out against Russia's war. They're coming to regret that. <laughs> Sparks, who has traveled to Ukraine half a dozen times since the war began and spoke passionately about the conflict, shocked lawmakers in both parties recently with her intense criticisms of the country's president, Vladimir Zelensky, and his confidants. She drew a rare rebuke last weekend from the Ukrainian foreign ministry, which accused her of trying to earn extra political capital on baseless baseless speculation inside the 
House GOP conference, there's a widespread fear that her posture is damaging U.S.-Ukraine relations at the worst possible time and that she's being played by forces that aim to weaken the Western alliance. GOP national security hawks also worry that the MAGA wing of their party, that's you little dirtbags, where there is already resistance to supporting Ukraine will point to Sparks' comments as justification. Her naiveness is hurting our own people, said a GOP lawmaker who serves in the House Foreign Affairs Committee like an idiot doesn't identify herself. Well, maybe if she's the only Ukrainian-born congresswoman and she went over there half a dozen times and has concerns about Zelensky, maybe it's not like that we should be concerned that she's hurting our, our effort to prop him up. Maybe she's right and our effort to prop him up is the problem. I mean, this is how bad they are. The GOP, my point is, it, this is not even election year promising on the two worst issues. And those are the two issues responsible for the issue they talk about, a.k.a. inflation and supply chain shortages, which are at the core of the pain to consumers. They are downright as passionately on the other side as the Democrats are out of the gate. It's not even like you have to look through their words and parse it. They will not touch the vaccine. And at this point, not touching it is endorsing it, although they are endorsing it. They just say they oppose mandates. But then again, they vote for <coughs> the NDAA. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene had a terrific uh, statement out on this. So Crenshaw put out, you know, there's these conspiracies on the Internet saying that 148 of us in the Republican House who voted for the bill somehow voted to kick unvaccinated service members out of the military. So Marjorie came in. Let's clarify. The House passed the NDAA last week. Next, the NDAA will go to the Senate where I'm told there will be some changes. The program allowing the military to force people to be vaxxed and discharged if they refuse will likely remain in the NDAA. Once the Senate makes its changes and passes the NDAA, it will come back to the House for final passage. However, I've been told nothing will change in the NDA in regards to COVID vaccine and discharge requirements. There are tens of thousands of military members waiting approval for religious exemptions for the mandatory vaccines, yet 13, only 13 have been approved. The NDA we, NDAA, we voted on it, changed nothing. I voted no on the NDA because it does things that do not fulfill the stated mission of the DOD. Plus, it funds another billion to Ukraine. It contains zero hard-earned American dollars for our own border security. And um, and there you go. There you go. And then she beautifully shows the picture, you know, that famous picture of those two trannies that are in the um, administration. And then it has, uh, what's, what's his name, Levin, in, in a military uniform because he was in the Navy. And it shows that picture and says, for those of us who voted no on the NDAA, that doesn't make us Bernie bros. Because it's like, if you, it's like your voting gets the military like Bernie Sanders and showed a picture of those clowns. And that's exactly the point. But this is what the GOP has been doing to us for years and years. If you don't just endlessly throw money at a woke and broke military that's doing all this without using that bill to say, wait a minute, before we, we authorize another $840 billion for the military, 
what exactly are the policies and goals of the military. No, you're not allowed to do that. The GOP has not changed one iota. They're supporting this stuff. I don't know how, how much clearer this could be. And then let's get back to COVID and the, and the shots. <clears throat> yeah, I, I do have some guests lined up. I want to have on, on election fraud, talking about election fraud in Wisconsin and, and Michigan. Um, I want to have the candidate for Secretary of State on in Michigan talk about this. But part of the reason why I haven't touched election fraud that much the past year is because the Republicans and, frankly, Donald Trump himself are the bigger election fraud. You know, the fact that we voted for one thing and they do the opposite. Meaning, I do believe that at the end of the day, the election was stolen, but it was way too close because he ran a sucky campaign. He dug his grave with the whole Burke's Fauci show that he allowed to go on for months on end. Saying in many ways, he, he was his own worst enemy. And again, just like Mitch McConnell, Trump is no different. If, if Trump came out like, you know, totally guns ablazing, promoting, you know, bashing the shots, apologizing for it, which we would understand. You, you, you didn't know the nuances. I didn't know at the time this is what they were doing. That's fine. And you go and promote victims of injury and promise to get rid of vaccine liability and promise to fund vaccine injury research and compensation. And, 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 and to demonstrate that you're going to have people like Robert Malone and, and Ryan Cole and whatever, you know, serve you as your kitchen cabinet on health. Okay, that's a different story. But he's not. Just last week at an Alaska rally, he continued to promote this. And yet we literally have safety signals on the reproduction health, the perpetuation of humanity itself is at stake now. Okay? It turns out, this is from Igor Chudov. Terrific substack. Make sure you subscribe. Where is this? It turns out <coughs> that births dropped in April. April of 2022 in Germany by 12% relative to April 2021. So he notes if you study birth rates, you're going to find there is a lot of fluctuation. It's seasonal. It have, you know, people do have more babies at certain seasons. Um, but month to month, meaning April of this year to April of last year, should be pretty consistent, and it generally is. 12% drop. But the point is, the drop happens suddenly and is accelerated since December 2021, which would make a lot of sense. Okay, that's when you would start seeing it. Based on when, you know, people in their 20s and 30s got their vaccines. And I'm, I'm just saying women. But, but the bottom line is we do have one study showing a, a dramatic drop in sperm count after getting the vaccine. And we do know that the same lipid nanoparticles that deposit in the ovaries that are likely responsible for all this menstrual uh, chaos do deposit in the testes as well. So it's probably in both directions. But God forbid should we actually study this to find out. But then he notes a very other inter very interesting thing. Very cleverly, he looked at rates of abortion. Not spontaneous abortion, meaning stillbirths, but real abortions in Germany. And he, he notes very studiously, he's very astute at this, that abortions 
are almost exclusively unplanned pregnancies, right? And people are upset about it. Oh, man, I got pregnant. You get an abortion. Right? You, you have a, the rare case of, um, you know, and it's very terrible, but Down syndrome or they don't like the way they, they see the baby and they do that and, and commit murder. Again, I don't want to get, get into that because it's not the point. But statistically, those are represent a very small percentage. Okay, overwhelmingly, abortions are unplanned pregnancies. So abortions are actually a good measure at any given time of the birth rate. And he found that throughout 2021, there was literally a sudden drop, 5.3% in abortions. And it wasn't because they became more religious. It wasn't because... There was somehow, you know, a greater, um, you know, legal changes or something. How large is this effect? He looked at between 1996 and 2021. It's a pretty long window. Abortions fell by an average of 1,452 abortions per year. Meaning, we, as we all know, from their heyday in the 70s, 80s, abortions have been going down this past generation for, for a number of factors. Obviously, there's more birth control. Um, and, and that's true in the United States as well. So about 1,452, about 1,400 a year. And, th- and, and this was consistent for 25 years. Then suddenly in 2021, it fell by 5,352. If you go the recent years, it actually changed very little. So it's hard to imagine that that drop is not a reflection of the decline in fertility. He also notes very, very, uh, um, again, very astutely that if you remember, we talked about this a lot last year. Continental Europe, unlike the UK and the US, Israel, UK, US jumped in first. It was Israel, then UK, then US. Continental Europe, which doesn't have as much money, you know, Pfizer was shaking them down. They were like, screw that. We're not doing that. So they actually, they were at an impasse for a couple months. So what we started in February, they didn't start till till, uh, about May or so in Germany. Thus, if the vaccinations are the cause of lower fertility, their effect on pregnancy would not be seen until the second half of 2021. And I think that's true. If you look at some of the other countries, you find that earlier. It's a devastating piece. Absolutely, positively devastating. I I, I don't understand this. If there was even a 1% chance this thing was causing it, you would go nuts. Yet we have so much cooperating data, mechanism of action, studies, the science behind it, the smoke, the fire, the vares, right? It's, 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 it's everywhere. In addition to over 14,000 other maladies and injuries that this thing seems to cause most um, prominently sudden heart, you know, people dropping dead like out of nowhere. This is the issue. And speaking of that, a lot of you might have seen this over the weekend Crazy story from Amy Mech of the Rare Foundation, R-A-I-R. Sudden and unexpected, at least 11 vacationers dropped dead on Italian beaches in 24 hours. Okay? Um, this was 
One day in July, 11 vacationers dropped dead. And names exactly where they were on July 4th. Exactly where they were. So it's all listed there. And if you look at the ages, the sudden death, they weren't 90-year-olds. The oldest I see is 63, but you have 30, 33, 48, 22, 42, 45, and then the rest are, you know, some in their 50s. This is crazy. This, I, I, I can't imagine, again, nostalgically looking back at the tea party. The issues we were talking about. Now, in some ways, it actually was the forerunner because Obamacare reflected that. This synergistic public-private monopoly that it created was happening before, but it really cemented it. That really paved the way for the lack of freedom, lack of dissent, lack of options, where they were able to monopolize and then basically foist their entire illogical, immoral, inhumane Fourth Reich on us without any dissent because they set up a system that was designed in a way that it couldn't have dissent. This is not light and transient, transient, transient stuff, folks. This is absolutely nutso. Okay? Like, it doesn't get worse than this. And, and, and it would be one thing, you know, you say, okay, maybe, okay, 11 people is 11 people. Like, stuff happens, whatever, even if they're younger. But again, it's not like this is not being noted in... So 11 is just like, it's, it's, it's still kind of anecdotal. It's crazy, but it's anecdotal. But we don't, we have more than anecdotal. We have consistent, accelerating, worse deaths. Excess death numbers everywhere. It's, uh, this is out open in the media. Every country, every corner of the world, except for Africa, by the way, which didn't have that. And now they're trying to disgustingly... Um, Gates and all these people and Pfizer, Burla is now targeting Africa. He's going to give it out for free there. Yeah. You know why? Because he doesn't want a c control group of one continent that seems to not get COVID and then they don't have excess deaths. How ironic that what was once called the dark continent is now the most enlightened one. <laughs> that's, that's where we are. They're third world, but at least they're third world. We're fourth world. Or more aptly put, the fourth Reich. But, I mean, we had the UK Telegraph we, we, last week. Non-COVID excess deaths. Why are they rising? And they note that excess deaths are up 17% and only 2% are COVID-related. And what they note even more is that it's accelerating. Overall deaths are rising even though COVID deaths have been falling. Right? The fatality rate of COVID now is less than the flu because there's tons of cases but it's not very deadly. But and, and by the way, I will still say, I don't like dismissing it. It's a bioweapon. It's a bioweapon. A lot of people, it takes weeks. They struggle with it for weeks. Might not be deadly, but they lose a lot of weight. They get dehydrated. They're sick for a number of weeks. You have all these bizarre long-term things. So, you know, we need, we need a part of a pro-life agenda, as we've been doing here, is bringing on some of these experts to talk about how to treat it. That's still important. But nonetheless, in terms of data, it is – there's very few people actually dying of it. So you can't say it's COVID. Yet there's more excess deaths than ever. Why? And, and um, UK Spectator data shows 
that the number of, this is in the UK. See, this is this is really where it is. It's the type of deaths, the demographic of the deaths, the timing of the deaths, and the circumstances. This is enough circumstantial evidence to give someone the capital capital punishment. Okay, so this is very solid. The number of at-home deaths is up 31.5% above the five-year average. Okay? So, in other words, in hospitals, it's up 12%, but at home, it's up 31.5%. What in the world could cause that? I think we know. And again, that jives with all the EMS data in Israel and the EMS stories we're hearing of, you know, they'll come more than ever. You know, imagine being a, a um, EMT with an ambulance, a, a paramedic, and you show up and, and, you know, you've been doing it for 20, 25 years. And suddenly one year, you just have a bunch of 25-year-olds dead in their beds. Like, what? Is there some, like, poisoning going on? Well, there is poisoning going on. This is crazy. Again, from the UK Spectator, 13,000 people more than average have died at home so far this year in England and Wales. That's crazy. It is absolutely nuts how the entirety of the Republican Party and the conservative movement is not focused on this. Nothing matters if you don't get this because this destroyed the world and this will continue to disrupt the world. Do you think they're going to allow inflation to ebb? No, they're going to continue with their disruptive stuff. And we don't even need to speculate when you watch what they're doing with monkeypox and you watch the avian flu and all these other gain-of-function things they're working on. How is this not studied and investigated? How is there no rallying cry? We are going to get elected, take over Congress, and find out who caused COVID, what they knew, when they knew it, when they knew about the clot shots, who developed it, what they knew, the extent of all the injury, the extent of all the death, who blocked the treatment for it. By the way, um, the WHO came out that they they said not to use fluvoxamine. I mean, even by their standards, fluvoxamine has large randomized controlled trials showing very good efficacy in the New England Journal of Medicine and the Lancet. The two top journals. I mean, it's right there. So even according to their standards, you got it there. Nope, can't use it. Can't use it. Yeah, I wonder why. Because they want people to die. It's that simple. So this is everywhere. Um, you know, you, you have Australia, you have it left and right. So, you can't get away from this. You can't get away from this anywhere. Philippine Daily Inquirer. Data suggests sudden adult death syndrome due to vaccines. Okay, that's nice. At least the Philippines is a country they'll admit it. Here's another headline from the UK Times. Poorly poorly Scotland facing... Deadliest year on record. Suicides are up by at least a quarter, coupled with a big rise in fatal heart conditions. Huh. Why? That is really funny. Why would there be this sudden rise? And then you have the morality issue. So, folks, after everything we saw, imagine we say, here is Hemlock, 
that could do everything. It could sterilize you, destroy your heart, destroy your brain, destroy every organ, destroy your blood system. Everything imaginable. And to add insult to injury, the more you inject, the more you infect. Okay? And then you mandate it to the point that you can't get a kidney transplant or a liver or heart transplant without getting the shot. How this is not a 10-alarm fire among anyone who calls themselves pro-life, I don't understand it. But just so you know, last Tuesday, the Court of Queen's Bench Justice, Paul Belzel, it's an Edmonton, Canada-based court, said that a transplant center in, in, um, in Edmonton is able to deny a, a woman a transplant. This has been going on in the U.S., but now we have a court ruling in Canada that says, totally fine. I do not accept, however, that her beliefs and desire to protect her bodily integrity entitle her to impact the rights of other patients or the integrity of the transplant program generally. No one has a right to receive organ transplants, and no one is forced to undergo a transplantation surgery. It's funny, in any other context, we never say that. Suddenly, they become like conservatives, that unalienable rights are negatives, not positives, right? You know? Like, and, and here, if you would say, you have AIDS and I'm not, you know, you have HIV, I'm not going to give this to you, they would never allow that. You have no right to harm other patients. Literally, the Canadian data all over the place shows the more you inject, the more you infect. We have a study, a UK study, of 13 solid organ donors who likely died from vaccine-induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia. Ten of their organs were given um, to recipients, and seven there were seven major thrombotic or hemorrhagic post-operative complications in six recipients. How Orwellian! The exact opposite is true. And folks, this is this is happening in America. This is happening right here, right here in America. Okay. Brandy Harris of, of Peoria, Illinois. She's being denied a kidney transplant at OSF St. Francis Medical Center in Illinois. And when she tried to assert a religious objection, the idiot doctor, the nephrologist, said, well, the Pope got the shots. Now, aside for passing judgment on the Pope himself, it happened to be the woman wasn't even Catholic. She was Baptist. So this is happening right here. And I'm telling you, you would likely have the same six to three justices we're seeing that, you know, Jacobson and everything that, that uh, affirm COVID fascism. I guarantee you we're going to get a ruling here like that, too. How is this not a five alarm fire for Republicans to pass legislation federally when they control Congress? They don't control it now. And for every Republican state, a few, a few have done this, but for everyone to block this. This is why. I cannot stand these Republicans that are like, I got rid of abortion in my state, I'm pro-life, and they promote death to this degree, which, again, unlike an abortion, you cannot avoid. Ironically, HHS is now requiring states to save, to, 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 um, <clears throat> to have hospitals perform emergency abortions to kill babies, but they won't require them to perform life-saving organ transplants to those suffering discrimination. And by the way, I, ju I just want to make this very clear. You know, for all this, like, private sector business. 
there's something very obscure. You know, it's kind of called Title II of the Civil Rights Act. You should read it sometime. It provides that all persons shall be entitled to the full and equal enjoyment of accommodations of any place of public accommodation as defined in the section without discrimination on the ground of race, color, religion, or national origin. So if someone has a religious objection to the ultimate public accommodation, right, Hospital, hospitals, treatment, that's, that's public accommodation in every area of law. Don't tell me it's not a private sector could do what they want. You want to repeal Title II? Then repeal Title II. But if we're going to have that, we're going to apply it evenly. Again, where where is this rallying cry from Republicans? I, for one, certainly do not hear it. Now, folks, when this all began, I myself thought it was just kind of spontaneous, the work of Satan. And then, as always, the communists seek to dominate and utilize any opportunity they have to control you and induce tyranny uh, with whatever's thrown at them. But then what happened was over time, and now you should all realize this, there's too many coincidences. You can't possibly have that somehow this thing broadly reduces birth rates and dramatically increases death rates, particularly among young people suddenly through cardiac arrest, and that's somehow an accident. Okay, you know, we know what's going on there. Let me let me play for you. I think now is a good time. I know a lot of you have heard it before, but inevitably there's some of you never heard it and or never heard all of it. But I want to play about a minute and a half of Bill Gates's famous TED talk in 2010, where he said if you do a really good job with vaccines. Or reduce the global population, and and even I thought, you know, the first time I heard it, like, well, that, that that was a flub or was a Freudian slip. It wasn't any slip. I want you to listen to the full context of the minute and a half before that. It was an entire buildup, and basically he's saying there's global warming, the the temperatures are rising, and CO two is gonna gonna k- kill us. And here's the equation of what causes it, and here is how you reduce it. Let's, let's take a listen to the whole thing right here. And so that's, that's a big challenge. It's very different than saying, you know, we're a 12-foot-high truck trying to get under a 10-foot bridge and we can just sort of squeeze under. This is something that has to get to zero. Now, we put out a lot of carbon dioxide every year, uh, over 26 billion tons. Uh, for each American, it's about 20 tons. Uh, for people in poor countries, it's less than one ton. It's an average about five tons for everyone on the planet. And somehow we have to make changes that will bring that down to zero. It's been constantly going up. It's only various economic changes that have even flattened it at all. So we have to go from rapidly rising to falling and falling all the way to zero. This equation has four factors, a little bit of multiplication. So you've got a thing on the left, CO2, that you want to get to zero. And that's going to be based on the number of people, the services each person's using on average, the energy on average for each service, and the CO2 being put out uh, per unit of energy. So let's look at each one of these and see how we can get this down to zero. Uh, Probably one of these numbers is going to have to get pretty near to zero. Uh, That's back from high school algebra. But let's, let's take a look. 
Uh, first, we've got population. Uh, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. So, folks, there's no way you can get around that. Okay? And you actually heard the laughing. He snickered and the audience laughed when he said, look, you got people, you got services, you got energy, you got CO2. One of them probably has to go down to zero in order to really substantially reduce our carbon footprint. And then he goes on to say, he goes through each one of them. I just played the first one, the people. So he's, I mean, it's not a mistake. It's not a flub. It's, it's, you follow the train of thought, how to reduce people. And he actually says reproductive health, with, which I think everyone would agree is abortion. Okay, that everyone agrees that he's saying that and wants that, that there's unwanted pregnancies. And, you know, that's, that's their view. I mean, I'm not saying anything earth shattering here. And he throws in there, do a really good job with vaccines. But, but here's the deal. According to their supposed way of thinking, the way they market it to us, well, if you do a really good job with vaccines, then you're actually going to have more people in the world. Because the, what we're told is that all these young people die because we don't have enough vaccines. But if you were to get, you know, Africa, for example, all these amazing vaccines that we supposedly have, then you would have people not dying of all these diseases, which supposedly these vaccines do such a good job at protecting us against. And you'd be good to go. So he let it out right there. Then there's another clip I want to play to you, and I played it before, but I just want to remind you of Fauci. This was March 25th, 2020, very early on with the Zuckerberg Forum. So how is it that the more you inject, the more you infect, the more you get to so panic, the more you get to inject, the more you reduce birth rates and increase death rates? Meaning there's one thing if it worked, okay, so then at least they'd get one round, okay? But here, it's brilliant that it doesn't work. It perpetuates the pandemic so they get multiple doses and kill more people. I would have never thought this. But, folks, just in case you think, oh, Daniel, you're not a scientist and I'm making up this concept of original antigenic sin and ADE and you know, viral immune escape and how you could have a leaky vaccine that actually gives you the pathogen or makes it easier for you to get it. Fauci said this early on. Now, why would he say it? Because you have to understand, March 25th was the date that Congress passed the lockdown funding bill that all the Republicans voted for, by the way. And they needed lockdown at the time to fully scare people and say, hey, this is what we could do to you. So you, you have to gain your freedom with a vaccine. In other words, had they just pushed the vaccine from day one, if you remember, just like some even some good people are saying, oh, why can't we go out with a mask? Very early on, that was viewed as like a way out of it. Same thing with the vaccine. So Zuckerberg was actually asking like, hey, you know, why can't we just pull out a vaccine? So he was explaining some of the challenge, challenges and why it takes some time. And he literally says what ultimately happened. T take a listen right here. And that is if you vaccinate someone and they make an antibody response and then they get exposed and infected, does the response that you induce actually enhance the infection and make it worse. And the only way you'll know that is if you do an extended study, not in a normal volunteer who has no risk of infection, but in people who are out there in a risk situation. This would not be the first time, if it happened, that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety actually made people worse. 
There was the history of the respiratory syncytial virus vaccine in children, which paradoxically made the children worse. One of the HIV vaccines that we tested several years ago actually made individuals more likely to get infected. So you can't just go out there and give it unless you feel that in the field, when someone is getting infected and exposed, being vaccinated doesn't make them worse. That's why you got to do a trial. So folks, you heard that. He gave an example of a botched AIDS vaccine that it made it more likely you get infected. He talked about RSV, which was ADE, that you got qualitatively sicker from it. There's no way he didn't know this was doing it. And if he didn't, it was very clear months ago that it was doing it. And to this day, he's still promoting more when you see it plainly that it's negative effective. So again, there's no there's no um, example here where I could tell you it's all an innocent mistake or it's a coincidence. So it's done on purpose. And yet, where are Republicans? And I want to demonstrate just one final point where this is headed, what I'm very worried about. We have an email. I have an email from a fan in, in, in North Carolina. And I, I suspect this is going on everywhere. And this is one of the red alert action items that we need to criminalize any sharing of your healthcare information. Health privacy is the key. It's funny, we have HIPAA, which is sometimes stupid, like a spouse or a family member can't find anything, but then when it comes to true privacy, it gets breached. So she lives in North Carolina, and she she brought her 17-year-old to a pediatrician for a regular, like, annual type of well visit. They gave him a questionnaire I was not privy to, and they tested him for some STD and said they were going to call his cell phone to tell him the results privately. The doctor didn't ask us anything about COVID whatsoever except for one question, would you like the vaccine? And I obviously told him no. Um, when, when we were leaving, they handed me his checkout sheet at the top of the form the reason for the visit line was filled out 17-year-old with COVID. COVID positive. Mom tested positive in January. What obviously happened is the information from one of my visits, this is the mother, with one of my doctors in the same, um, it was the same health network because they're all a bunch of cartel networks. You don't have private doctors anymore, was shared with my child's doctor. It might also have been shared with anyone else who saw this checkout sheet. So somehow, her COVID positive from months before got on the son's thing, and she went to a different doctor. Straight up violation there, and you know she asked, us, "Is there anything we can do about it?" Well, no, not now. But this is the type of stuff Republicans should be running on. Again, how everyone loves medical privacy. But here we are. Imagine, imagine Obamacare passes 2009. Republicans run in 2010 in the midterms. Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Then again, in this case, the Obamacare of our time, the Republicans themselves voted for it. Unlike then when, when legitimately they at least voted against it. It's not going to change on its own, folks. So again, we're going to continue focusing on strategies of what to do. But this is how we start our week, by giving you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. 
If you like this show and understand that there's nobody else who does what I do, send this to all your friends and relatives. You know, this is not right or left anymore. Those are old days, antiquated uh, terms, nomenclatures. This is about right and wrong. It's about what's doing right by the people. It's about no sacred cows, not carrying the water for any politician or party. The unique information that matters in the way it matters, the strategies to deal with it. This is what I promise to deliver to you. We'll have some guests on later this week. I will be traveling to our Dallas office. We'll be having a special broadcast on vaccine injury um, Wednesday evening. So I'll let you know a little bit more about that. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes if you can with a comment. Also, I am posting more. I'm not sure if this is going to be my permanent thing, but for now, I'm not on Twitter, obviously. But C19 Truth Bombs, as in COVID-19, C19 Truth Bombs at Telegram. So you'll see like a 1984, you know, icon. And that's how you know you found me there. So I'll be posting there. we got a lot more coming up this week. So stay tuned till tomorrow. God bless y'all. And thank you for listening.